Unlock more to life with Adrian Pinozo, real estate investing podcast, where we broadcast interviews with successful real estate investors across North America to empower you on your journey to unlocking more to life with real estate investing. Now, now here's your host, Adrian Pinozo. Hey everyone, it's Adrian Pinozo here with the More to Life Real Estate Investing Podcast, where we're going to help you try and get more to life so you can start living your dreams through the power of real estate investing. We're back here for our seventh episode. Time flies pretty quickly. We're already at number seven, but we're going to be joined today by a rising superstar, to to put it lightly, um, in the real estate investing world. You may have seen and or heard her talk on very uh, numerous podcasts, seminars, conferences, so on and so forth. She actually brought her first rental property in 2013 when she was only 29 years old and was still working her nine to five job. After seven years at the young age of 36, she actually retired from the corporate world to go full-time into real estate investing. Seven years, and she pulled the pin on on the corporate world. Quite an accomplishment, for sure. So today, uh, we're gonna talk to her about how she made it big in the real estate investing world, and how you can do the same thing. So without further delay, the one and the only, Sarah Larby. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks very much. I'm excited to be guest number seven. Looks like uh, one of my favorite numbers. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So yeah, obviously, welcome to the More to Life Real Estate Investing Podcast. And I really want to dive into, you know, you have an incredible story and in my opinion, an incredible journey. And you're doing some pretty amazing things in the real estate investing world thus far. So I really want to dive into that. And if you can help share your experiences and your ups and your downs and stuff like that. So why don't we start off with how you started as an amateur investor and what made you originally start in real estate investing? Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, uh, started in 2013 prior to that, you know, I was listening to some podcasts, reading some books on real estate investing. And, uh, you know, at one point realized that I had no assets to show for the time that I've been working and tons of liabilities. And so, after uh, realizing that, decided to uh, to really dig into you know how I'm going to get there, and uh, and obviously real estate kept coming up, so I kept you know really focusing more on learning what I could. And 2013, bought our first investment property, which was uh, in Brantford, Ontario, and uh, happened to be a house from the 1850s, and maybe it's like 400 square feet, so the cheapest thing I could afford back then. But I got it started. And um, in 2013, when you did that, what job, like, what were you doing full time? I was in sales. I was a sales rep for, it was Xerox or Syntas. I started at Xerox and I believe it was probably Syntas. Um, and, uh, and just, you know, it was just uh, working on, you know, the Niagara region. I think at one point that was my territory and 
realized that I also didn't want to work for, you know, 40 plus years and, uh, and not that there's anything wrong with sales. I love sales, but you know, it is a grind and <laughs> you can't do it for that many years and be as excited about it every single year. Um, but yeah, that's what I was doing. Okay. So you bought your first one and like myself, obviously continue to grow in, in, in that world. Did it become addictive? Like how did you get, how did you keep going? Obviously from your first to where you are today, what, what was the mindset? And obviously you were, you were successful to keep going. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, when I, when I first started, I didn't know that there were, you know, so many opportunities to connect with other like-minded people. And so a lot of my education was American podcasts and, and bigger pockets actually was, uh, was one of the ones that I got a lot of education from, but you know, there's lots of things that as you learn along the way are very different if you're in the U S versus Canada. Um, but you know, and I, and I became just, I, I guess you could say obsessed, um, more so not necessarily the brick and mortar, but just more so of the opportunity to create the freedom. And I've always been big on freedom and just being able to like do what I want, where I want. And as you know, and, and get there as, as, uh, soon as possible, real estate just seemed like it was, uh, you know, for me, the obvious choice, I mean, obviously other people can do it through, you know, stocks and option trading or, or whatnot, crypto, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I didn't understand enough about any of that stuff. And, uh, you know, you can do it from a business standpoint, but it just seemed like real estate was like that. I, w- I shouldn't say easier option, but maybe the sure, the more sure option for, for me in order to get what I wanted and, uh, and, and move forward to get that freedom. So, so you were, you were after that freedom, obviously that real estate gives us. Yeah. Awesome. So today you're not only an investor, you also host your own podcast, a speaker, a coach, a mentor, and probably a lot more. So the million dollar question, how do you juggle all these things now and, and still stay organized and you got a lot on the go for sure. So how do you juggle doing all these things that we talked about? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's funny because I, I actually don't feel like I'm, you know, juggling as much as I used to when I had a full-time job, even though it sounds like a lot, like I, I might be working at, at this point, you know, I would say between five and 10 hours a week. Um, and you know, prior to that, I mean, yeah, I, I, you know, it was, it was a lot more because there was a lot more stuff going on, but I think the pandemic also allowed me to slow down and be like, okay, what do I get? You know, it's like that 80, 20% rule, right? What would you get the most, you know, for your time and just started to really figure out, okay, who can I hire delegate to so that I can, you know, do a less chores, work on the stuff that's more important. And then also who to bring in as, as the right partners uh, that have expertise in, in their domain as well. So, you know, for example, like the resort sounds like a lot, but there's a lot of stuff that, you know, we're each kind of sharing so that that helps. But I didn't want to do real estate for creating another J-O-B. And so, and that's, and I think that's like, a lot of people will be like, I want like a hundred units or I want 200 units. And that's all great, <laughs> but it comes with a lot you know, a lot more either managing other people or, uh, just a little bit less time. So I think for me, it was just more important to have the time freedom. Uh, and, uh, and just now at this point, you know, I'm, I'm really selective in how, uh, I do all that stuff. What I say yes to what I say no to, and there's definitely more no's, uh, going around these, these days. 
So is it safe to say, obviously, you're, you're picky on what you're going to get involved in now, nowadays as you're saying that you've grown in this space and you have a ton of experience. You're still doing a coaching Yes. Um, I'm doing it where I'm literally just doing one group program a year, um, rather than just having a bunch of different pieces all over. And then just from like prior courses that I've done, I've actually recorded them. Now I'm just kind of packaging them off as like, you know, learn as you go. And they're awesome. Like they're great, but it also allows me not to be the one that's like the content's been created, which is nice and it's still relevant. And, um, and so once you record that and you, you package it as a course, uh, you can a, you know, charge probably less than if it was live, but you know, but B you're kind of replicating and duplicating easily. Right. So in your courses, and I'm, I'm trying to, mm-hmm. you know, there's obviously the value there as well in, in what you're meant coaching them on specifically it's on multifamily investing or what what is the meat and potatoes there yeah it's it's real estate investing mostly around the burr strategy so buy renovate rent refinance repeat uh how to scale uh and then there's some bonus content you know because like you could still burr short-term mid-term uh as well as long-term you know rents so uh just you know there's there's a course that i basically had uh, students start, you know, there's two live, um, monthly classes as a group that gets, you know, they have access to all of my contents, my team, my paper, my, you know, all of the, the paperwork that I use, et cetera. Um, and so that, you know, goes through the whole year and then I'm going to repackage it, but moving forward, what I'm doing, I'm going to take 15 students, uh, and I'm going to do one, six month small group, uh, coaching with the 15 students. We're actually going to go in the field, uh, visit actual real projects. I'm going to introduce them to my entire team and just going to be, you know, actually like taking all the theory of what I've been teaching and the things that you will learn. And then just going and actually like putting into practice. Uh, and cause a lot of people learn by actually doing and actually seeing and, and not just watching videos as well. Right. Yeah. Get your hands and feet wet in the field and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I'm doing this year. And then to be honest, depending on where the country goes, I may, I may move to Costa Rica for a little while. Oh, really? <laughs> nice. Good for you. Do you, I saw, um, you know, Rob break. Yeah. Yeah. He's down there now. Right? Yeah. Yeah, he is. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I won't get into the politics piece of it as well, but you know, I, I think they're maybe a little bit more open to, um, to choice. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. So with everything you're doing now, you created this huge network of people surrounding you, working with you. And obviously you're one of the owners and uh, founders of the right club as well. Not all will be able to do everything you've done, obviously in such a short time, they say mindset's a really big thing. So can you comment on essentially fast or rewind seven years to where you are today. How did you make it all happen and keep it all in check and then grow it to where you are today? How did you make it all happen? Yeah. I mean, I I think that's a, that's a great question. And, you know, when I was a sales manager and, and, uh, as I was, you know, scaling my business, I went from uh, a sales rep at Centas to sales manager. And then I became a sales manager for, uh, Mars coffee division, which became Lavazza. But I would say, you know, one of the things, and and you can see it in anybody, but you can't teach grits. You can't teach motivation. You can't teach 
you know, putting fire under somebody's ass to, to get things done. And so I think if somebody's got that and, and they keep in mind every single day what their goals are, that's how you do it. You know, don't let the day-to-day stuff get in the way, make your goals and, and have the motivation. And it's really from, from yourself. And some people just don't have it, right? Some people just may not want it enough. But for me, I had, it was like a burning desire to like enjoy my one life that I had. We don't know where we're going to be in 10 years. We don't know when, you know, we're going to, you know, potentially not be able to work. But I, I just knew that what I had to do was like leave as early as I can so that I can do what I want. And, you know, now we're working on my spouse as well, you know, on, on getting him out of the, the J-O-B world as well. But I think ultimately from a mindset standpoint, I, I think you just really need to understand how motivated you are uh, and, and to continue every single day. So um, if you don't have that, you're like, hey, that would be cool. And you're not like, I was, I was living and breathing it in the sense that I was thinking about being free and doing what I want, how I want you know, enjoying the cottage, having that time back. Like it was constantly on my mind constantly. So it's not like just like once a month, I'm like, Oh yeah, that'd be cool. And then you forget about it. But it was, it was like that burning desire. Let me ask you a question in this space and that we're both in, obviously, how do you feel and what do you think about when you think about failing, trying something and failing? What's your thought process on failure? I don't think you have success if you don't fail or try and you know, a failure is what you make of it as well. And so you're like, Oh crap. Like, I don't know if I would call it a failure, but like I you make a mistake and you're like, I need to figure out how to you know fix it or how to do it better or how to do it again. And so if you're always worried about failing or losing money or this and that, and you might not take action like, to me, that's probably a bigger failure. Um, but you know, you look at all of the, you know, successful investors, they failed over and over and over probably so much more than somebody that's never done anything. Um, and so I look at, at it as a temporary, you know, step to get to a bigger goal. That's, you know, you can mitigate some risks so you don't make a huge mistake, but mistakes are, you know, going to happen. I'm still going to make mistakes. And in the future, I will still make mistakes. And as you stretch yourself and you become, you know, you, you get out of your comfort zone, uh, mistakes will, will be made and you'll be, you know, looking to grow and that's how you grow from there. So I don't know if I would say, I think a failure to me would be just not doing anything and looking back and being like, crap, I could have done something, but I didn't pull the trigger or do anything for like the last 10 years. That's maybe how I would say that's a failure, but I mean, otherwise I, I welcome it because that means I'm stepping out of my comfort. What about you, Adrian? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, my business coach actually told me we were, we were on a podcast together. And I asked her, so if you were to give anybody any advice in this world, mm-hmm. regardless, um, what would that be? She responded by saying, be excited to fail. Be yeah. excited to fail. And I never heard that before. And obviously, you know, everyone knows my story and how I've grown portfolio and whatnot. And I'm like yourself. I've, I've failed, you know, I wouldn't say countless times, but there's been some, some decent failures along the way that, like you said, you know, you pick yourself up and, okay, let's go. Uh, I learned something from that. I'm not going to make that mistake again. But that just, you know, I think, it, like you said, it, it helps you grow as a person, as a professional, as an investor, it just helps you grow overall. And 
without those failures, nobody's life or nobody's ambitions are perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing is perfect. But you need those failures along the way, I think, to like you hit the nail on the head to continue to grow and step outside of your comfort zone. So, yeah, I couldn't agree more for sure. Coaching and mentoring. And we touched upon this, but I want to get into obviously, you meet a lot of people through your podcast and, and the right club and being a founder and co founder of that organization. Can you tell us a little bit about the Right Club and how that all started and how you got involved in that and how that all works? Yeah, I mean, we started in 2016. Uh, there was four of us and we realized that there wasn't anything back then that was holding meetings for investors to network with one another in Burlington. And so that's how we originally started with is it actually at the Holiday Inn in Burlington. And then, you know, over the years, it's evolved. Now we're national. Um, now it's online as well. So you can actually, a lot of it is virtual, uh, obviously with the pandemic, but the rightclub.com, um, you have access to finding team members because your team is important, finding resources. It kind of just grows from there. I think originally we were just doing it because, you know, we wanted to make sure that other people were getting Canadianized content. There's so much stuff out there in the US or there's so much stuff out there that's a fortune as well, right? To, to go to. And so we wanted to make it, you know, inclusive uh, of, you know, all the different levels. And I think it's it's worked really well. You know, it's it's exciting. I mean, we're we're definitely, you know, expanding uh, coast to coast to coast, and uh, we'll see, we'll see where, where where things go. But um, there's four great partners. We've got a team. We've got you know people working uh, for the Right Club now as well that are doing an awesome job. And uh, but we'll see we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I I would love to return back to some in person stuff at some point. I think we're thinking uh, October 26th will be our our next live, and we'll have to keep it a little bit smaller, obviously. How many members are you guys up to now? Do you know offhand? I want to say there's probably around five or six thousand uh, Canada Canada wide. Wow, that's amazing! So you've been in business with the Right Club for what five years, and you're over five thousand members. Yeah, but members are like people that are on our site and people that have you know attended an event. So like that's kind of how we count members. Like they're not necessarily like monthly paying members. I'll tell you, we you know we're not really make doing this for a profit. <laughs> so. I get it. I get it for sure. So in this industry of real estate investing, being a novice investor, a novice investor, how important would you recommend? Cause obviously you've made mistakes. I've made mistakes, but getting started in this world, how important it is, how important do you think it is to have a mentor or a coach helping you get started because you have this ambition to get going. How important would you say that is? I mean, it's interesting because I, I have a mentor and a coach today for the whole development stuff. And when I first started, I didn't. And I think if I if I did, it would have propelled me a little bit faster and, and I would have maybe made less mistakes along the way and potentially figured out, you know, how to zigzag through the financing a little bit faster. Um, so I, I think it's important. I don't think it's, absolutely like fail or not fail if you have one right i think it's just you've got to you've got to figure out is it worth and some coaches i'll tell you like are worth their weight in gold and some coaches haven't done anything for 10 years and they're giving you advice from 10 years ago or uh you know they're in a doing something completely different that what you want to learn so mm-hmm. i would just say find if you're going to do coaching and you're going to find a coach you know find one that a speaks to you but that that is a doing it still currently currently still in the market 
uh, doing, you know, what it is that you want to be doing. Right. So like, for example, like if someone's like, Hey, can I learn how to wholesale? Like I would not be the right person for them because I don't wholesale and I don't want to have that job because to me, it's another job. I'd rather work with wholesalers <laughs> for them to bring me deals. So I think it just kind of depends on what someone's looking to do, you know, so find the coach that, that works for that. And, you know, at that, at that point in time, yeah, I think it could propel you to go further faster, but you can still read, you could still do podcasts. You could still join the right club for free. There's still other things that you can do as well. Like, I don't want to say like, it's a be all and end all, like, you know, you could still do it. It just might take a little bit more time by yourself. Yeah, there's definitely other avenues to to increase your education or knowledge, obviously with real estate investing and what, what road do you want to go down. But uh, I never had a coach when I first started. And I was, you know, as you know, my background, I was mm -hmm. trying to juggle policing and, and buy rental properties and deal with tenants. And how do I, I guess, eventually things started to go well for me, but I didn't have one. And I agree with you. So for me, it was 10 years. For you, it was around seven. For me, it was 10, where from the day I started investing in real estate to the day I left the police department was almost 10 years to the day. And I think if I had a mentor or a coach, and you know, as, as embarrassing this is to say, I never had a business plan. Things just kept growing and going in the right direction for me. And it wasn't until almost my getting into my 10th year where I thought, maybe I should like do something a little bit more specific and, and leave and become this full-time real estate investor. But I didn't have a coach back to the point. I think it would have definitely helped me progress quicker. Maybe I could have left the police department in five years or six years as opposed to 10. If I had a business coach or someone that could mentor me and help me and put together this business plan. So I personally think it's, it's important. It's not the end all be all. Mm -hmm. for sure it's definitely not but i think it's important if you can afford it and you know and then obviously can save you mistakes potentially save you money so yeah i agree with you on that sarah joint venture partnerships vacation rentals and your project that you're working on now and cottage country recently you've you've dived into acquiring cottages or let's call them vacation rental property that you're working on right now um, can you tell us a little bit more about that and how you made that happen and what that's all about? Yeah, absolutely. So, well, I'll talk about, I guess, the resort is what you're referring to, right? Yeah. Uh, so we ended up, so I ended up hiring Harry James, who is my mentor. And uh, I originally found another piece of land we're building some townhouses on. And then I'm like, you know, it'd be really cool as if like we do like something, you know, fun, like a cottage. Because I, you know, I love Airbnbs. Uh, I have a couple cottages that I Airbnb. Uh, I've got some couple places in Burlington, Hamilton as well. That's a short-term, mid-term. And uh, so basically, there's another piece of land that came about. And I'm like, hey, you know, like it, it had like little like trailers. I'm like, we could do like a little tiny home village. Like, do you want to come in on it? Because I'm like, he's got 35 plus years of experience. He's got a builder on his team. I can learn the ropes and I can make less mistakes. <laughs> so, right. so we were actually going to go into this other project and then the land ended up being not good for, for actually what we wanted to do. So what we ended up, I ended up finding another piece of land and negotiated a vendor take back with the seller. And it was five and a half acres, uh, waterfronts in the Quarthas. And like, luckily it was actually zoned, uh, specifically for doing a resort and, uh, and it was, a, it used to be a resort. So that was pretty cool. 
And so um, then next next to it, there was another one acre piece of land, which we ended up buying as well. So, you know, it's, it's kind of those fun. It's a fun project We're we're basically going to be building 15 cottages to Airbnb, just make it. And, you know, with, with like little pods, like a little theater pod, a boardroom pod, a gym, like all those like little things to really make it one of those upscale, you know, types of places that you'd want to go to, but just ends up being in Ontario versus somewhere in the Caribbean. And, uh, and so that's really what we're doing. I'll tell you, it's going to be a five-year project. Uh, this year we are working on the shoreline. Uh, we've got some docks put in, uh, we're, there's a decrepit house that's going to be actually, we're going to use that and build off of that to start. Uh, and then every year we're going to add four to five cottages and we're going to make it like a, you know, a cool place for like retreats. Like if we want to do a real estate retreat, that's going to be our place. If uh, people want to, you know, have a, have a wedding, they can do that as well. But one of the things that, you know, I always wanted to do with uh, with my spouse is take care of Matt's parents because, you know, they're very, very handy, but, you know, they, they kind of all grew up poor back in the day. And so uh, we are going to build them a cottage and they're going to help manage from, uh, from up there. So it's like their dream come true. They get to sell their house, cash out, uh, and they're going to, you know, help uh, make a little salary. And, and we have feet on the street of people we can trust, which is huge. <laughs> I don't want to be living there all, all year long either. Right. So. Yeah. Amazing. And when did this all start? Like when did you, you acquire the property and start? Or- yeah. I mean, it really hasn't been that long. So we closed at the end of June. So we're just, we're just getting, I mean, really, we're just getting started. So, uh, you know, it, it likely will not be rent ready until uh, summer next year, at least for, for some of the, th- from some of it, yeah. um, the one acre piece of land that we bought next door is actually zoned residential. So we really want to do like a very nice, like 25 person luxury cottage with a pool and everything. So that will likely be ready a little bit prior, just from, you know, just timeline perspectives and yeah, so it'll, it'll be you know it'll be it'll be fun. I'm excited about um, switching a little bit to the whole development piece from you know the birth stuff that I was doing. Right. Yeah. Sounds amazing. So we go from uh, a full time sales rep for Xerox and whatnot to a high end real estate investor, coach, mentor, bright club speaker, bird professional. Uh, now. Uh, cottage builder, resort builder. Absolutely amazing. Like, I wish I could swear, but I'm going to keep it. <laughs> That's amazing. Like, seriously, you got a story that, you know, I personally don't even have. It just speaks volumes as to, you know, like you said, the mindset and the grit and the determination and the focus and surrounding yourself with good people. Like, Look at look at everything you've accomplished in, in, in my opinion in such a short time. And how old are you now? 37. 37. I mean, I bought this is everything you've done. And you, know, you started a lot sooner than me. I started at 36. And obviously I have what I have now in 10 years. I'm 47. But you started at 36. Sorry, a lot younger than me. You're 37 now. Incredible incredible Thanks. so everybody listening guys there's a, like a such a powerful story that you know if you put your mind to something and and you're not afraid to fail and take chances like here's sarah larby who's in my opinion it's crushed it and is continuing to crush it so congratulations sarah that's absolutely amazing 
Thanks. I appreciate it. Joint venture partnerships. Obviously, you race, you've been involved in some or orchestrated some stuff like that. There's a lot of new people that are getting into involved in real estate investing and they're contemplating on, you know, getting into joint venture partnerships either with you or our company or a father or brother or sister. What's the best advice you can give somebody, obviously, in that space that's contemplating should they? They want a JV, and, and who should they go to, or should they JV? What's the advice you can give them? So you might not like this answer. <laughs> Probably not, but that's okay. The truth is the best. Yeah, no, for sure. I think, okay, so he, here's the thing is, I think if somebody's going to be able to do it themselves, you're better off hiring a coach because it'll cost you a lot less in the long run, and you'll be able to hold them for a lot longer. When I first started, it was Matt and I, and it was Matt and I, except for two resort stuff aside, obviously these are, these are different partnerships. But, you know, I think one of the reasons that we've been able to create cash flow and all of that good stuff is, is we're not splitting it with anybody. So from my standpoint, you know, if I were to have joint ventured from the beginning, I don't know if I, maybe I would have been further ahead. I don't know. But I also don't know if I would have had as much flexibility. Okay. So that's that's the answer I don't think you like. But here's the thing is if if somebody is sitting on the sidelines and not gonna do anything, please join venture. It's better than nothing. I you know, and I think that's like if if you've been waiting for three years, waiting for five years, uh, you've you've got the money, you've got the financing, but for whatever reason you're not moving forward, yeah, you you might want to find somebody like you, Adrian, as an example to work with so that you can get something done because even half of something is, is better than nothing. You know, if you're going to joint venture, I would just say, you know, a pick the right partner, uh, understand that, you know, there's, there's usually an exit strategy and, and, you know, there's pros and cons, you know, but there's also like, you could build and scale and be the active partner, right? Like for example, um, you know, the second cottage I bought, uh, I'm the active partner and I have a, a joint venture partner and they put the money down uh, and, and are holding the financing and they're just too busy. Like they just don't want to be dealing with it, managing it. They would rather, you know, and, and they were actually students of mine. Um, and so they, they know how to do it. They just, they're just so busy and so swamped that they're like, I, I want to do something. Let's just partner together. So I have, yeah, you know, I have them um, and I'll probably do like a few, you know, I would say maybe two or three, joint ventures a year. I, I think, you know, there is a room for them. I don't think they need to necessarily be your entire portfolio. That's just my take, but you know, everyone, and, and here's the thing, everyone's got a different opinion about joint ventures. You know, some people have done tremendously. Like I have some friends, they have 200 plus units do really, really well. And they've done it in, you know, three years. Uh, and they've left their full-time job in that amount of time because they were able to cultivate using social media, bring in JV partners. And I've got, other people that just, that's what they want to do. They want to be the passive partner because they just don't want to do anything. So you just got to figure out what you want, what you want and your goal and, you know, where the action is going to be taken. And if no action is going to be taken without a joint venture of some kind, then go that route. Yeah. Good advice. I, I, I couldn't agree more. A lot of the people that JV with obviously myself and our company are professionals um, that want to get involved in real estate, but like you said, you know, they're professionals. They don't have the time to, you know, scope out good properties or the experience in that matter. Um, you know, they have families and whatever, and they don't want to deal with tenants and this and that and everything else that comes along with it. And obviously, you know, they segue and they give up that 
portion of ownership for the property so we can facilitate um, the results that we get. In, in my opinion, yeah, if you can hire a coach that can mentor you and, and help you through all of that, great. But like you said, just do something. Either hire a coach, hire a mentor, or joint venture with um, you know a professional with proven results. Just do something and, and yeah. get in the game, right? I think I think that's the that's the key message is just you know don't sit on the sidelines for too long thinking things are going to happen or markets are going to crash or you know these properties are not the right properties because you don't want to be sitting in five years from now and then all of a sudden like you look back and like that was so cheap you know that twenty thousand dollars more that you didn't want to spend back then (laughs) you know so it's it's relative I mean ultimately at the end of the day. You know, if, if you're, if you're joint venturing, you're doing your due diligence on who you joint venture with. I think that's going to be the big key, right? If you guys are completely opposite in, in your goals and your timelines and any of that stuff, like it's, it's a whole can of worms of potential problems. For sure. For sure. Yeah, I agree. Totally agree with them. Your podcast, where should I invest from by Sarah Larby. So everybody's out there and obviously myself included. Where should we invest? <laughs> you know, I, I don't have that answer, but I will tell you there's market fundamentals that you could do your research on. You know, there's definitely some opportunity in Ontario, but that, that doesn't mean there's not opportunity in other provinces, right? I think it's just a matter of like taking it, dissecting it, figuring out what your goals are. Like for me, I like cash flow, so I'm not going to be going into a very expensive market and buying a condo. Like it just doesn't make any sense. So, you know, and it doesn't even have to be Canada either, right? Like there's tons of opportunities. There are some market fundamentals. There are like, you know, some reports once in a while that will talk about, you know, the 10 best investment towns. But, you know, an easy way to do it is is talk to your mortgage broker and be like, hey, the best deals that you're seeing for this strategy, where are they coming from? Like, what are the top markets? And then you can do some research on those, like easy way to, you know, in real time, figure out where those best markets are. But I had somebody on my podcast yesterday investing in cobalt and you wouldn't think of that area, but it was like crazy cash flow and there's no vacancy. And so, you know, again, but it doesn't mean every single fundamental maybe on, on your list. So, you know, I have my, I have a few of my favorites, but to be honest, like, I think if you, if you look and see, you know, what the the fundamentals are for those regions and then the sub regions and then those you know, neighborhoods even, uh, you might come up with so many different options and they might work just as good. So do your homework, essentially. Do yeah. Your homework, do your research on that, on those market areas that you're potentially thinking of. And, you know, you know, as well as I do, there's a ton of information out there that, you know, all you got to do is Google on the internet and you'll find all the information you want about those certain marketplaces that you're potentially interested in. Obviously, you know, my bread and butter is Hamilton. Yeah, Hamilton's, Hamilton's awesome. I love Hamilton. The numbers, you know, I, I have people calling and asking me, so the numbers are still good out there. Like you could still get a really good burr and, and get crazy returns and blah, 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 all day long. Like I'm living proof of that. We're still heavily invested in Hamilton. We're starting to expand in other areas as well. But yeah, like for me, the numbers are still fruitful in Hamilton all day long. So end of the day, do your homework. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it helps just listening to some of these and like networking with other investors and just seeing like where they're buying and, you know, what those numbers look like as well. And you'll be able to like say, okay, you know, these numbers are actually what I'm looking for. So, you know, stick to markets that are similar. I mean, I, I have my favorites, like, you know, if, if you guys are looking for like specifics right now, like where I'm going, I mean, I'd love Welland, you know, Brantford, not that it's not good, but it's, not what I used to be buying. It's definitely gone up in price. And I, I actually really like the Corthas. Lakefield, like, you know, looking at like the four, like the Peterborough corridor and then just like north of that. Mm-hmm. I think there's some options uh, and some upside there, you know, but again, there's tons of markets and then even coast to coast, like you could find something even in BC that would work really well. It just depends on where, you know, where you're listening from, where you live, um, how far you want to be from it. I mean, you know, there's lots of people doing really well in Nova Scotia, um, again, you might have a better cash flow play, but you might not have the same kind of appreciation there. So again, you know, do you want more cash flow, less cash flow, more appreciation, less appreciation? You know, what are the the vacancy rates and all that good stuff? So awesome. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Some really good advice there. Do your homework, guys, and and you know, obviously the numbers don't lie. Run the numbers. If you don't know how to run the numbers, talk to somebody who who does. Whether that's a, a JV partner, a coach, a mentor. But yeah, there's still tons of opportunity there. All right, so we're getting to the end, Sarah. As you would, you once taught me when I was interviewed on the Right Club podcast. Did you guys <laughs> call it the lightning round? Yeah. Yeah. So here's my lightning round um, that we ask every guest. Sarah, what is your why? Why do you do what you do? Freedom for myself and my family and just really making my one life the best and those people around me as well. Exactly the same for me, freedom. You're very successful now. And we say that relative to how the world views success, obviously. But when Sarah Larby thinks of more to life, when you picture more to life, what do you see for Sarah Larby? I mean, I think the next step will be retiring Matt so both of us can be fully free. You know, for me personally, I'm not meant to live in this cold. And so being a snowbird, you know, enjoying the cottages, the resort in the summer, and then going to, you know, somewhere warm every year, maybe just a different place and taking our families with us and and our friends. And, you know, I think ultimately... You know, I was so focused on leaving my nine to five and the summer has been amazing. Uh, spending the majority of it at the cottage, on the dock, inviting friends, family over, you know, having good food, good wine. I'm not a flashy person. You know, I don't need the big fancy cars and this, like, you know, I think ultimately it's just making sure that you have a good balance and, you know, it's not just about the finances. And it's just about like, are you, are you truly happy? Are you enjoying what you're doing? And, uh, you know, I'm, if I can have the summer just can continue, <laughs> you know, uh, that was pretty good. So wear your tank tops 365 days. Of the yeah, year that's it. This nice is like this in shorts. Like this is what the, that, you know, the attire yeah. I want to wear all the time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Last question. If you could give one piece of advice to people out there listening, one piece, what would that be? I mean, there's a ton, but like, if I would just say one piece of advice is, you know, only take advice from people that are where you want to be, not people that care for you, but don't have what you want. 
take advice from people who, who are where you want to be. Yeah. But whether that's financially, whether that's whatever it is, spiritually health, like whatever health wise, you know, just take advice from those people and then just ignore the rest. Not, you know, you don't have to be rude about it, but you know, they, they want, maybe they have your best interest, but they clearly haven't been able to do it for themselves. And so, you know, I would just recommend that that's who you follow. Absolutely. All right, Sarah, amazing advice. Thanks so much. Um, for those people who want to talk to you, get in touch with you, reach out to you, how do they get a hold of you? My website, which is sarahlarby.com, uh, Instagram, which is investor Sarah Larby. That those are probably the best two ways. And then uh, they can contact me on the contact me page on my website or on Instagram. They can send me a message. Great advice, Sarah. Awesome to have you. As uh, obviously for me, executive properties at rogers.com. We're all over social media, Adrian Pinozo, Instagram, Facebook, so on and so forth. No problem finding me as well. But I uh, hope you enjoyed being a guest on our seventh episode, Sarah, one of the first ones. Great advice. Pleasure having you. And um, I guess keep crushing it. Thanks very much, Adrian. And like, you know, congrats on your new show. And, you know, thank you. Because I know that like being a podcast host as well, like this is not as easy as it seems. Like you got, there's lots of prepping to do. So like, thank you for giving back to the community. That's awesome. Thank you.